0: everyone i'm betsy and i'm greg and we want to invite you to check out our podcast going on 30 each month betsy and i take a look back at a movie that was released 30 years ago that was either nominated or should have been nominated for best picture we talk about the legacy of the film choose the best scenes and performances and explore our own hot takes about the movie And we discussed the greatness of Tom Cruise, an actor who has graced our screens for multiple decades, taking on some of the most artistically challenging pursuits while displaying what can only be described as an everyman relatability. An actor, nay, a thespian, who pushes the boundaries of what the medium is capable of all revealing the humanity that's underlined Alright, all- I'm done. I cannot I cannot tolerate this anymore. So listen to Going on Thirty every month right here on the Popping collar speed wherever you get your podcast. I love you Tom. Oh jeez. I was just wrapping up my last year of seminary when I stopped in the Amoeba Music Store on Telegraph in Berkeley and picked up the third Gorillaz album, Plastic Beach. Gorillaz was one of those bands that had a personal season pass with me. That is, no matter what album they put out, I would buy it and listen to it. Later that week, on Sunday night, I was driving a crew of classmates down to the Albatross for pub trivia, Popped in the CD, turned up the volume as Snoop Dogg came on the second track and welcomed us to the world of the plastic beach. Now, fascinate me, picture and animate me, cause I'm rolling, heat holding, click clacking, crack a full packing, most stackin', hanging a fool when I teach. Welcome to the world of the plastic beach. Yeah. Welcome to the world of the Plastic Beach. Mirror. The Plastic Beach isn't really a metaphor. Damon Albarn, frontman for the Brit Rock band Blur. And Jamie Hewlett, artist of the Tank Girl comic series, both co-creators of the animated band Gorillas, have said in interviews that the inspiration for the Plastic Beach album came from news reports of a giant island of plastic garbage floating in the Pacific Ocean. The dystopian image serving as the setting for the third phase of the Gorillas' story that would see the band in their music videos battling pirates, fending off the actual boogeyman, and in the initial video for the album, outracing a maniacal Bruce Willis in their first single from the album, Stylo. band member 2D, typically voiced by Alburn, opens the song with this repeated word overload over and over again. It blends with the sense and propulsive beat in a way that feels almost mechanical or detached, like a mantra for postmodernity, highlighting the melancholy that comes with living In a world of constant communication through plastic electronics in our pockets, constant mind-numbing boredom with carbon copy forms of entertainment in movies and television presenting unreal plastic people as role models, constant anxiety about a future that has floating plastic islands of garbage that no one can do anything about, eating plastic fish, drinking plastic water... Overload. don't think I fully appreciated the breadth of formation curricula for the church until after I graduated. Here's the thing. While I went to seminary, I wasn't in any discernment process for the priesthood or anything when I did it. So my options upon graduating with a Master's of Divinity were to teach children, to teach youth, to teach both children and youth, or to manage a Trader Joe's. It's not a joke, by the way. There have been many times over the course of my post-seminary ministry that the latter option looks like the narrow road to paradise versus the course that I chose. All this is to say that there is no shortage of Magic Beans curricula that will make you the envy of all your local formation peers as you see nothing but success upon ripping open the plastic bag on their prepackaged offerings and seeing your attendance, engagement, and volunteer support come rolling in. And yet, when I found myself sitting at a table of other educators at a formation conference during my first year of employment, And shared the fact that I was a little discouraged that I wasn't seeing nearly the amount of success in ministry that I had been promised. I saw nothing but nodding heads bobbing up and down to each of my disappointed words. So, what was happening? How had the prepared plastic packaging failed me? And what was I supposed to do now? The third Gorillaz album was deemed a mild failure by critics due to there not being a clear hit single. Stylo was the first song released, but it's a bit of an odd duck, part funk, part trip-hop. The follow-up single, Super Fast Jellyfish, even with the immensely talented De La Soul guesting on the track, came off like a parody song without the context of the rest of the concept album. Are you kidding? Yo, pretty packages of delight. delights. Look, Comes with a toy. <laughs> I like that. I want a number four, number six, and throw in a plastic Just enjoy the gritty crunch it tastes just, just like, like chicken. chicken. Wow. of In contrast, Gorilla's previous album, Demon Days, had come equipped with the incredibly catchy Feel Good Ink. So things were looking a little dicey. Budget cuts began to cut into Hewlett's side of the Gorilla's project, with music videos being axed by executives due to the animation cost. Live show models and animated shorts were cut to lower costs on the already overbloated world tour for the album. The animated part of the animated band was being cut down in favor of boosting the popularity of Auburn's music side. A disparity in funding that would ultimately lead to a rift in the friendship of the Gorillas' founders and a temporary end to the band altogether. That's what I'm talking about. Overload, legendary heavy glow, sunshine on the road, keep it so yes to the land sunburn. Most Deaf provides the rap section of Stylo, sounding as if he's performing through miles of electronic manipulation, like if he recorded his verses on a speaking spell. The result is something that sounds like it's not human, like a digital voice in the consciousness of the song, weighing down the humanity and soul that are trying to outrace this mechanical evil and find freedom on the horizon. It has the deceptiveness of something upbeat, while underneath the lyric, there's something sinister at work, attempting to draw the listener into a false sense of the world around them, attempting to get you to buy into the plastic, the ease of it, the slick smoothness of it, the temptation of perfection that denies humanness in favor of products that can be easily reproduced. The most profound thing I've ever learned at church didn't come from anyone ordained or with a background in theological education. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the 13-year-old girl who said it was only in my confirmation class because her parents insisted that she be there. I was teaching this group of eighth graders about the stations of the cross and had stolen an idea from my campus ministry back in North Carolina, where I assigned one station for each member of the class and they had to create something, anything that communicated their feelings about that particular moment in the passion narrative. They could do this through any creative form of expression they wanted. If they wanted to write something about Jesus Falls the first time, they could. If they wanted to play a song that reminded them of an aspect of the cross's laid on Simon of Cyrene? That was great. If they wanted to lead a moment of silence after Jesus is nailed to the cross, that was fine. I just wanted them to communicate what they were feeling. That's all. So we made it to Jesus is laid in the tomb and this young girl pulls out a five by seven photo and passes it around. It looked like she had taken a picture of a rock. I glanced at it and passed it to the next person who also seemed to not give it much thought either. Once everyone had a look at the picture, I handed it back to her and asked her what the rock was supposed to signify. She looked at me slightly confused and a little embarrassed. It's not a picture of the rock, she mumbled. I apologized and asked her to show me the picture again. I still only saw a rock. Look, she said, there's something growing there. And that's when I saw it, as if scales had fallen from my eyes. There was a small sprig of something growing right out of the top of the rock, in the center of the photo. A fragile little thing that could be a weed, a tree, who knows? It's like the story you told us, the girl ventured sheepishly. That's why it reminded me of the station about the tomb. There's life where there's not supposed to be life. I handed her picture back to her and told her, That was the wisest thing I had ever heard anyone say in a church in my entire life, and it still is. Auburn and Hewitt reconciled after the friction caused by the Plastic Beach marketing. After Phase 3 of the Gorillas, the two creators took direct control over the band's marketing, meaning they had to work harder to make deals for album promotion, but they weren't subject to the whims of Warner executives to the extent that they were in 2010. Phase seven of the Gorillas' story just launched this past year with the release of Cracker Island, and all seems well enough with the virtual band. If Stylo has a savior, it's Bobby Womack, who passed out in the studio during the recording of his vocals. His booming voice comes in with the first hopeful word of the entire song, love. Because Stylo is a song about the perils of climate change and our over-reliance on technology. Because when we see images of an actual plastic beach floating in our oceans, it's easy to say that the great work of our time is over and we failed. Because when we experience declining participation in our churches and criticize ourselves for our failures to connect people to the story of Jesus in a way that matters in people's lives. Because when all seems lost, love provides life where there's not supposed to be life and it's electric. This world will try to overload you, will try to pacify you, will try to wear you down with simple plastic solutions designed to make you comply. Love will set you free. And when you're free, You'll want to share that same sense of freedom with others, not through some prepackaged solution, social media trend or manufactured experience, but through actual honest to God, human connection and relationship. The voice of love is the strongest out there. You just have to have the strength to set it free and the courage to follow where it goes.